Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bergos Now. And this week, I'm especially delighted to welcome you officially as Bergos. We are no longer Bergos Berenberg. We, as of the first of this year, um, have finally arrived at our name and our new identity as Bergosaki. So a very special warm welcome at the beginning of this year from me. My name is Aurelia Rauch and with me today is my guest Till Christian Budelmann, one of my favorites. Hi Till, how are you? Hi Aurelia. <laughs> It's so nice to see you yeah. here and to have you at the beginning of the year. I'm fine and yeah and it's a new era. Yes, indeed, it is a new era. Um, Till, before we dive right in, which I'm very happy to do, Let me very quickly just uh, give a bit of background on when we are taping this. It's um, Thursday morning. Uh, we will publish this on Friday, as we usually do. However, we are right now speaking from um, a perspective of, let's just say, some very recent developments in the United States. And before we dive into our outlook of the year 2021, can I please just ask you at the at the top of this episode, What happened in Washington last night? Let us go through the events yes. uh, which took uh, place last night um, at about 2.15 local time, 8.15 last night our time. Right. Protesters surged up the Capitol steps, shoving past barricades and officers in riot gear to penetrate uh, the Capitol. Mm -hmm. And the action was targeting the joint session of Congress being held to certify Biden's election victory and the two houses of Congress, obviously the House of Representatives and the Senate, were counting and certifying the Electoral College votes from all the states. Mm -hmm. And the proceedings are usually brief and more ceremonial, mm -hmm. but some Republican lawmakers have been objecting to some results, a bit that is, by the way, all but certain to fail. And the invasion sent members of Congress scrambling for cover under yeah. their seats yeah. as tear gas was fired. And according to Washington's uh, police chief, Conti, the mob, and I think you have to call them the mob, yeah, right. um, some of whom wore body armor, used chemical irritants to attack police yeah. and they shouted and waved pro-Trump and US flags and flooded the halls and yeah demanding the results of the presidential election to be overturned yes and several thousands national guard troops FBI agents secret service were deployed uh, to help the overwhelmed capital police two pipe bombs were recovered one from the democratic national committee offices not far from the Capitol, mm. and one from the nearby Republican, Republican National Committee headquarters. And uh, yeah, and this occupation of, you have to call it an occupation of the Capitol, lasted close to four hours yeah. before the building was secured by law enforcement. And there was little sign the protesters were heeding Trump's call to go home despite citywide curfew declared by the city mayor from mm. 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And so far, it's sad to say, four people died. Yeah. More than 50 people have been arrested, many of them for curfew violations. And officials say one woman was shot by the police, mm -hmm. while three others died as a result of medical emergencies. 
and um, the mayor Bowser said the woman who was shot was part of a group of individuals that forced entry into the house room, which was still in session, and they were confronted by officers, and an officer pulled out a weapon and fired. Mm. And the woman was taken to hospital, proclaimed dead, and she has not been officially named, but local media identified her as an U.S. Air Force veteran and Trump supporter named Ashley Babbitt. Mm. And officials said the three other deaths included one woman, two men. Further details of how they died have not been made public yet. And at least 14 members of the police were injured during the unrest. So it's really a terrible uh, event. Yeah. And by the way, there were also protests at state legislatures in Kansas, Georgia, Utah, and on the other side of the country in Oregon, and the northwestern state of Washington. Mm. This is something you don't hear a lot about in the um, German-speaking media. Right, right. Um, so really, yeah, terrify terrifying uh, events. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not stating anything novel there, but these pictures certainly, I mean, if we imagine ourselves back let's say, a few years, we would have never expected such pictures coming out of the United States of America. I mean, it's just, it's really quite insane, if I'm allowed to just say that. Um, of course, we look towards Biden and we look towards Trump. How did they react? Biden said democracy was under unprecedented assault. Yes. And to quote him, to storm the Capitol, to smash windows, to occupy offices on the floor of the U.S. Senate, um, rummaging through desks on the House of Representatives, threatening the safety of duly elected officials. It's not protest, it's insurrection. Yes. And Trump, meanwhile, responded to the action in a recorded video on Twitter, repeating his unproven claims of election fraud. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, I know your pain, I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. Yeah, it was yeah. a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But then he also said, but you have to go home now. We have to have peace, at least that. And uh, for the first time, Twitter froze Trump's account. Yeah. The social media company announced it would keep the account locked for 12 hours, demanding he delete three tweets that it said could stoke violence and mm -hmm. threatening permanent suspension mm -hmm. and uh, earlier on Wednesday Trump addressed a safe America rally outside the White House and there he urged reporters to head to the Capitol yeah. and said at one point our country has had enough and we will not take it anymore and um, political figures around the world condemned the storming of the Capitol among them Barack Obama former president George W. Bush, he said in a statement, um, it is a sickening and heartbreaking sight. This is how election results are disputed in a banana republic, not our democratic republic. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, as you all know, for days Trump had been piling pressure on his vice president, who was presiding over the session, to block certification of the results. Yeah. But in a letter to Congress on Wednesday, Pence Vice President Pence said he had no unilateral authority to decide which electoral votes should be counted. So that was a clear breach. And that is important to mention, the breach 
uh, between Pence and Trump. Yes. And uh, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell also definitely broke with Trump yesterday mm -hmm. in an emotional speech from the chamber floor. Mm -hmm. um, the Kentucky senator warned to quote him, if this election were overturned by mere allegations from the losing side, our democracy would enter a death spiral. Yeah, but after the building was secured by law enforcement, um, lawmakers returned to the U.S. Capitol to finish certifying Joe Biden's election victory. And as of this recording, um, the um, election result has been certified, mm -hmm. which is uh, good news. And um, yeah, and when Pence started the resumed session last night, um, in which lawmakers are counting or were counting and confirming electoral votes, he said, it has been a dark day in the history of the United States. Yes. Yeah, I can only repeat uh, what strange night, what uh, drastic uh, events. And um, that's all we can say at this point of time. Till, thank you very much for these details. And it's it's certainly very hard to stay neutral and unaffected by, by the images that we're receiving here. And I think um, everybody will allow us a little bit of a personal uh, touch here. However, we are a bank. And however, I will take a step back with you now. And I will ask you for the very famed neutrals position on everything that's going on. The markets, are they reacting? How are they reacting? What's going on there? The major U.S. averages turned lower by just a couple of basis points during the first hour of the protests at the Capitol. Okay. But in the end, the Dow Jones and the S&P finished the trading day higher. Mm -hmm. And as of this minute, as of this recording, U.S. stocks are trading higher again in pre-market. So as tough as this may sound, this whole affair seems to be a strictly political thing. Mm -hmm. It's um, of political nature, but it has, at least up to this point, almost no implications for capital markets. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you, Till. I wanted to start this entire episode originally by simply asking you for sort of an outlook onto 2021. Um, is it okay for you if we turn back to that initial question that I had planned? <laughs> um so considering the month ahead, not from a political standpoint, but purely from an economic standpoint, um, what's, what's the outlook that you would dare? To be honest, I'm not only rattled by the events last night, I'm also still rattled by the whole year 2020. <laughs> yeah. uh, but looking at the economic situation, chances are not bad that 2021 could turn into a pretty good year for the global economy. Mm -hmm. After a really dreadful 2020, a calmer U.S. trade policy, vaccines that actually work, mm. and the end of the Brexit uncertainty underpin our positive outlook for 2021. Mm -hmm. Despite the horrific toll which the COVID situation and all the measures will continue to take across much of the world in the next few months. And when I say a dreadful year 2020, I'm obviously talking about the economy, not about capital markets. Mm -hmm. And with the equity market right near record highs, it's easy to forget the amount of uncertainty that existed nine and a half months ago when the global indices made their COVID lows. And as good as things may look for the market now, we should never lose sight of how things stood back then. 
But looking ahead, we hope that risks market should have some further upside despite their strong performance since the March sell-off. And you will probably remember what we wrote in our market commentary with the title Maneuvering the Crisis, US Large Caps Plus Gold, yeah. back on the 19th of May 2020, mm -hmm. uh, to quote, the stock market is a huge discounting machine. It does not look at the present, but always to the future. The stock market today is nothing other than the mirror reflection of all discounted corporate profits from now until the end of time, mm -hmm. end of quote. So that's exactly what's on my mind as we start this year. What kind of future is priced in by this huge discounting machine and how much upside is left in markets for 2021, especially the equity market? Mm -hmm. Okay, but before we look a bit further ahead even, um, and of course I know that our dear listeners probably have um, been reviewing the year 2020 with various formats, but from your particular standpoint, Till, uh, looking back at 2020, which as you just said, you're still rattled by, so am I, I think a lot of people would second that, um, is there anything that you would like to point out from your particular perspective about 2020? I want to point out that 2020 was a year that felt like a decade. <laughs> yes. And uh, to say 2020 was an extraordinary year would be quite an understatement. Um, it saw the end of the longest economic cycle on record, driven by the most drastic political measures, at least in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. It saw a recovery aided by unprecedented monetary and fiscal policy action. And for markets, 2020 saw lots of volatility and very different results. Just one pair of results as an example. The S&P was up 16% and the stocks was down 9%, the stocks 50 Europe. A gap of 25 full percentage points between the US and Europe. Mm -hmm. Something I've never seen in my career. And um, 2020 was the best year for the NASDAQ and the South Korean Kospi since 2009, mm -hmm. and for U.S. Treasuries since 2011. And on the other hand, the worst year for the FTSE 100 and the IBEX, meaning UK and Spanish large caps, since 2008. Mm -hmm. It was simply a year of drastic divergences. So now I'm going to go back, however, to, to something you touched on earlier to the discounting machine for our listeners who may have not heard you reference that would you mind explaining this a bit more in detail to me of course as i said uh, so many times over the last yeah two decades <laughs> markets are discounting machines and unlike humans financial markets don't have feelings instead they look ahead and discount what humans often can't see or even imagine And I don't have to tell you that the discounting rate stands close to zero these days. Mm -hmm. And in fact, 2020 may go down as one of the best examples on record of this concept discounting machine. Mm -hmm. In late February, markets quickly discounted the end of the cycle, with many stocks falling 50% or even more in a single month. Then, just as quickly, markets began to discount what would be the fastest recovery on record. Mm -hmm. The risk-reward of investing is always greatest when fear is highest because valuation is usually cheapest. And 2020 was textbook in that regard with March offering a generational opportunity to buy stocks. And as you might remember, we quoted Warren Buffett on April mm -hmm. 
um, on our blog, on April the 1st, I have to say, on our blog with the following dictum. Four or five times during their lifetimes, investors will see incredible opportunities in equity markets and they have to have the, the mental fortitude to jump in when most are jumping out. Mm. And the setup couldn't be more different today. Optimism is high and the only fear now is about missing out. Mm. And extreme optimism or high valuations are necessary but insufficient conditions for a meaningful equity market correction. Nevertheless, we have to acknowledge that the risk reward of the global equity markets has deteriorated a little bit and the market might be in for a drawdown at some point in Q1. But let me remind our listeners that new bull markets born during a recession, and this is a new bull market born during a recession, they typically last for years, not months. Mm. In other words, this new bull market likely has a long way to run, both in time and price. And capturing the best returns of new bull market often requires a steady hand that doesn't overtrade. Mm. And that's the reason why we at Bergos like equities and a balanced portfolio in 2021 and probably beyond that date. Mm. Okay, that all sounds positive, Till, but we are certainly not in a risk-free zone or risk-free time. I mean, just touching on COVID, obviously, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, let us talk about COVID again. Uh, on the negative side, recorded new infections and deaths associated with COVID remain high in yes. the US, despite some temporary easing after the post-Thanksgiving spike. And driven by the rapid spread of a more contagious variant of the SARS-CoV virus, um, recorded new infections per capita in the UK have now even surged beyond the US level. Yes. And um, we have a more mixed picture on the European continent with a roughly stable rate of recorded infections in the Eurozone. Mm. But this seems to largely reflect less intense testing over Christmas rather than genuine progress. Yeah. And as we wrote in December in our outlook, we expect an economically difficult winter. We are a little bit more cautious about growth than the consensus among economists for the fourth quarter 2020 and the first quarter 2021. And we stick with that. And um, near term, most countries are likely to extend and or tighten their lockdown. But a likely easing of restrictions starting probably at some time in February or March at the latest should pave the way for a rapid rebound thereafter mm -hmm. with some pent-up demand for travel, entertainment and other long-restricted services. We hope activity will surge again in Q2 and Q3. Mm -hmm. And on the positive side, the vaccination process is gaining momentum. Um, the different vaccines has been approved throughout Europe. and um, But the major advanced countries currently suffering from the highest infection rates globally, the mm. UK and the US, they are far ahead of continental Europe in the vaccination process. Mm -hmm. Germany, Italy and France are lagging well behind, which has triggered a lot of discussions in these countries, especially in, in Merkel's uh, Germany. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, everywhere the most vulnerable or exposed are the first to get the jab, but it will take months, many months to achieve sufficient herd immunity 
but we hope that well-targeted vaccinations could help to ease the strains on medical systems across most of the advanced world from March onwards, or hopefully even from February onwards. Yes. And for now, the market is looking ahead to a more normal second half 2021 as vaccines become more widespread. However, when you have a train moving as fast as a global equity market towards that light at the end of the tunnel, even a small bump has a potential to cause some kind of disturbance. Yes. And we always have to take this uh, into account, yeah. especially after the huge rally in yeah. late 2020. Yeah. Till we're covering a lot of ground today. Uh, thank you for all those details. I, I, I would love it, though, if we would take a step back into, um, into the direction of the U.S., because one thing that we haven't really talked about yet is um, the result of the Georgia election. So would you mind just hopping with me a little bit through these topics? And uh, you're the big U.S. expert here. And, of course, we touched on this in previous episodes of this podcast. So would you mind going back to your first sleepless night yeah. <laughs> on Tuesday and uh, just give us a bit of an overview of what happened in Georgia? Yeah, two sleepless nights yes. is, is tough. <laughs> um, but this night will be different. Hopefully. Oh, don't spoil it. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Don't jinx um, it. Of course, we have to take about. Uh, we have to talk about Georgia, and um, yeah, the Democrats have won the runoff elections for the two Senate seats in Georgia, mm. and now both um, Democrats and Republicans have 50 seats in the Senate, and after taking office on January the 20th, um, Vice President Harris could thus cast the tie-breaking votes in favor of the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And with a slim majority in the House, the Democrats would thus control both chambers of the parliament. The controversial behavior of outgoing President Trump, who unsuccessfully tried to pressure Republican officials in Georgia to void the certified results of the Georgia vote on uh, November the 3rd for Biden as a new president, may have benefited the Democrats. But we stick with our call that changes in U.S. legislation will not be very radical. With a 50-50 tie in the Senate, any legislation that does not garner some bipartisan support would have to be backed by the most moderate Democrats in the Senate mm -hmm. to become law. Mm -hmm. And um, we have talked about Joe Manchin before, the Democratic senator from West Virginia. He considers himself a moderate conservative and he will not support any legislation that he sees as too extreme, such mm -hmm. as Medicare for All or drastic tax hikes. And the small Democratic majority in the House, which had been reduced by the November election to just 222 versus a hurdle of 218 seats, points in the same direction. Mm. And um, although the Democratic wins in Georgia may revive a discussion about U.S. tax hikes to come, we consider it very unlikely that the new Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, would pursue policies that could stifle the U.S. economic recovery. And given her dovish leaning, her focus will likely be more on the stimulus instead. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. Thank you to, for taking this little excursion with us. I think it's important to, to give our listeners this little round round up, right? We, we touched so much on, on the US politics. So thank you very much for that. Um, 
Before we part ways for today, and as you are the first one here in this podcast of this year, let me ask you a very general thing. What is it that you would like to sort of give to our listeners as advice, as outlook, as very general statements for 2021? I know, very open question, but... Yeah, I like it. I, <laughs> um, yeah, three thoughts on a new year. Mm -hmm. Topic number one, our life has changed. Rough, yeah. <laughs> um, when and to what degree COVID releases its grip on the global economy remains uncertain. But one thing for sure is that COVID has changed the way of life for all of us yes. in the Western world in terms of how we live, work, relax, socialize, dine, and um, yeah, vacation. Yeah. And some of these shifts will revert when COVID subsides, but others are likely to have a more lasting impact. For many of us, working five days a week in an office is probably a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. So that would be thought number one. Then topic number two, COVID made us more productive. Mm -hmm. uh, one trend um, too powerful for even COVID to derail is the deployment of technology to disrupt existing business models. Mm. And yeah, as a matter of fact, COVID acted more like an exogenic shock mm. that helped uh, this trend. And we at Bergos have talked a lot in the past about the coming productivity boom, the data era, um, many secular trends like uh, AI, automation, industrial software, and so on. And the application of technology in response to COVID led to new ways of operating that made companies more efficient, mm. protected their margins, mm. and we suspect that these efficiency gains are just the beginning as a continued diffusion of technology across industry boosts productivities for years to come. Mm -hmm. And uh, this productivity boom is hopefully then the feature, uh, the main feature of the second leg of this bull market that has started last mm -hmm. year. And by the way, these two topics are two of the reasons why we still like the following regions from an investment point of view, the US and Asia, and within Asia, especially China, South Korea and Taiwan. Yeah, okay. And then one final thought, There are different dimensions of market analysis. And today, like most of the times, we have talked a lot about the fundamentals. Yes. But another factor is always the market itself, mm -hmm. or in other words, the technical analysis. And trends in, pri in prior bull markets suggest that the year ahead will see positive returns. Market internals have continued to support the rally and to this point have shown little in the way of a divergence. Likewise, high-yield spreads remain near post-COVID lows. And last but not least, semiconductors as a leading indicator have generally maintained their leadership. And as long as these trends remain in place, we strongly believe 2021 can be a pretty good year for risky assets and even better relative to the less risky alternatives. So that would be it from my side today. Fantastic, Till. Thank you so very much for these very detailed insights and for covering so much ground. And of course, as always, I'm happy if there's a positive outlook at the end of the episode and on to the months ahead. So thank you very much for that. 
Um, we thank you very much for listening. Before we say goodbye to you and wish you a wonderful week, I would love to plug something real quick. Every quarter we publish our uh, Bergos magazine, our reflections, and it is coming out next week. And a lot of topics that Till just touched on are there related to the specific asset classes and our kind of view onto these asset classes. So if you would like to read a bit more about subjects that we just discussed and others, of course, as well, um, this time there will be a special contribution about shipping. This is promising to be very interesting. You should look at our website and take a look at the reflections. That's what it's called. And now there's nothing left for me to do but wish you a wonderful weekend. Again, a very happy and healthy new year. And we we'll look forward to hearing you next week at Bergos Now. Bye bye.